receive what you have for us, Father. You have wisdom, revelation, knowledge, and power. All of the things. You have forgiveness for us, Lord. You have everything that we need. It's so important that when we come to your throne, we understand why we're here, what we're here for, and receive. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of receiving right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. So we were talking about the fact, yesterday we started talking about the fact that uh, the enemy wants to hinder us from receiving uh uh, the goodness and mercy that God has for us. He wants to hinder us using our faith uh, because there is a cycle of grace that comes when you believe. And as you continue to believe, more grace comes. And so what, what we really need many times, we, we refer to it differently. You know, people talk about open doors and breakthroughs and blessings and all of that. But really, your breakthrough is within you. It's just a matter of you uh, getting the faith um, um, and, and God granting the grace for you to move ahead in what you're expecting to do in God. Um, your your faith is always a part of you. It's what you do with it that uh, determines whether there is grace to enter into what God has for us. For instance, if I I'm trusting God that I want a, a new car, and uh, but the, when I I look at ones that are available, I'm not moved to do anything. Well, the grace isn't granted to move on that if I'm believing God. Now that doesn't stop some people. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? They're gonna do it anyway. So why involve God in your nonsense? If you're not going to really respect his law and respect his leading. Why ask him, pray and ask for something if you're going to jump and grab the first thing you see. Now I'm not saying the first thing you see isn't God. But I am saying if it belongs to you, it will be there long enough for you to get a confirmation from God, to get a witness from God, to get something. Many times we start in the spirit and wind up in the flesh and the devil knows it. So that's why he starts to stir up things to move us into the flesh instead of leaving us alone so we can abide in faith in the spirit. There's always something that will come up and tell you this is the way walk ye in it. Amen. And so Sometimes it's it's God and it comes from the Spirit of God, but sometimes it comes from the enemy, and we we really need to know the difference. I mean, you you got to know that uh, Satan wants you to to get heavily involved in things, get overwhelmed, get over your head, get in debt, get in trouble, get in all kinds of uh, difficult situations because he wants to add sorrow to everything in our lives. So if you're wanting a blessing from God, he will not add sorrow to it. Uh, God will give you, uh, uh, like it says in Amos 9.13, that uh you know one thing after the other uh it it'll you know uh, it'll be so fast your head will swim uh one thing after the other but it doesn't mean that you get got to get in the flesh to get it so what we want to distinguish is how we're led by the spirit and how we're led by the flesh and know the difference between the two and so yesterday we talked about the fact that the enemy uses distraction to pull us off from where God wants us to be 
And our example was Peter uh, walking on the water to get to Jesus. We talked about how his faith uh, allowed the grace for him to come out there. Grace is that divine ability to let him walk on the water. So grace is not some uh, excuse for your bad behavior. It's not that. Grace really is divine empowerment to accomplish what God wants you to do. I know we always say unmerited favor. Well, what does that mean? Favor has in it ability. You don't need favor if you're not doing anything. Amen. So favor is just a catch-all word for empowerment, encouragement, strengthening, all of that. That is grace. Many times, uh, you know, you, you see in the Bible where people talk to kings, if I have found favor in your sight. But it was always to get permission for them to do something. It wasn't just, I have favor in your sight, and then I open the door and all the stuff falls in here. It's oftentimes uh, permission granted to exercise your strength and your knowledge and your ability in God to accomplish certain things. And so if you, if you want to, uh, 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 you know, take lessons or study something, uh, God will grace you. If you will let Him help you, He will grace you to do a better job at it. You know, uh, he'll grace you to be, uh, to excel at it if that's what you want. Uh, he'll grace you to do many, many things that we can do well in God. Now, I think sometimes people look at uh, the grades that they get as evidence that God's with them, but that's not necessarily so all the time. Uh, you operate at the level of your intellectual ability and how much energy you put into it um, so you know I know people want to do well but sometimes they can make and it's not hard to make good grades nowadays you look at the people that are in these colleges you think that's really competition for God's people I mean seriously you think about it and so it's it, it, it's deteriorated so much they don't even take people in on merit anymore uh, it's favor uh, as far as grease and palms with a certain amount of money and you know your your family giving grants and so forth and endowing chairs and all that kind of stuff at these different places so let's just quit the game playing and and uh you know but understand that God wants us to accomplish and he wants us to be able to um you know be successful in life you know whatever that entails and he grants us the grace to do it grace is divine ability to accomplish it really is. And grace isn't something that, you know, you don't think about it as you got a, a pass on something bad you did. That's just a, a really carnal, uh, I don't know where that came from. I think that comes from religion and religious spirits and not understanding how to use their faith for things. You know, uh, what we call grace is really forgiveness. It's really mercy many times. And so God mercifully forgives us, but in mercy gives us another opportunity to get up and do. And so, uh, but grace is, is something that it's a very powerful force. It's a result of your faith. So when you exercise faith, grace follows. And so does the devil to talk you out of grace. 
talk you out of where God wants you to be. He'll he'll do that. And so we have to learn how to wage war against the devil's onslaught to put us in double jeopardy. And that is paying twice for something God has granted us the grace for. If you get it by grace through faith, the price has been paid for it already. What the enemy wants us to do is think it's not paid for and then we got to go and do something to make it happen. And so when you think about it, there's so many things we get anxious about. And so that anxiety can be a distraction. It's distracting you from the truth that God has granted this to you and the grace to attain it will show up as long as you stay in faith. It's not faith then grace immediately it's faith and then that grace is there and it's being released to you at the appointed time uh, to go in and receive everything that God has for you so we we really really have to understand this because many times people they'll give up on things they quit on things they jump the gun they don't realize your faith will be tested it's not going to be an instant automatic thing all the time sometimes it will be pretty quick but then there are times where it you know like people say so and so got an instant healing but that healing's been in the works for a long time in those people they just got to a place where it's being released to them and it's always released instantly You know what I'm saying? I mean, there is an instant when that thing comes to pass. But it's not like, don't ever think of faith as being something quick and fast because it's, it is a, uh, something we live by every day. We're to live by faith daily. We're to daily exercise our faith. You just don't use it when you want something real bad and then put it away and don't use it anymore. Uh, you use your faith continually. I always would give the example about uh, using my faith for my car to continue to run. Uh, now, I could have just rejected the car when it got a certain, ah, I'm the sick of this car and I don't want something different. Oh, this, I, I, don't, I learned how not to complain in the presence of God. You've got to learn those things. You don't do that. He's present all the time, whether you feel him or not, whether you called on him or not. Uh, but I'll tell you that, that those words get carried by some spirit if you keep mouthing them and so that's not the way to get a blessing from God and Job found that out after 40 chapters of complaining and trying to rationalize and reason and get himself off the hook and you know fighting his friends God finally showed up and God said go put on some clothes and act like you're somebody and declare my covenant before me and I will demand of you what you're to do to get yourself in gear so you can get about that bed and so we we have to understand that there is a way to approach God. You don't comp- approach him complaining. You don't co- approach him whining. You don't, you know, you you do that with people. <laughs> if you want to impress them. That's what we do to each other. <laughs> but only faith moves God. And faith in his word is what moves him. So when we speak the word and we declare God's covenant before his throne, uh, then we're ready to move on things. Some people are just complainers. They like to talk about the negative all the time. And uh, God will let you sit up and, and use your time that way. But that's not helping you to get your answer. 
way to get your answer is to use your faith on a continual basis. And so uh, we have to always, uh, the justified people live like that. If you If your sins are forgiven, then you have no reason to complain. You have no reason to have confidence in complaining. You know the slate has been wiped clean so you can go in boldly and ask for what you desire. You don't have to whine and try to manipulate people into helping you. Uh, God's already helped us, folks. So let's let's get it in gear and start to declare who we are. Thank God for what he's done. Always come before his throne with thanksgiving and with praise and offering that up to him so that you can be assured of being in his presence, you know, that you your your request is being heard. And so when we when we do those things, we we understand uh that there is a method to approaching God. You just can't do it like little babies whining and crying for every little thing. You know, you know what you want. Uh, babies don't know anything. They don't know what they want and they don't know how to ask for it. But that's not us. We know what we want and we know how to ask for it. So that's what God expects out of us. So anyway, so we talked about distraction being one of the things that will put us in double jeopardy. In other words, we're we're going to get a sorrow added to that blessing and the devil's going to try to make us pay twice for it. In other words, you can't have it by faith. You've got to do something else. The grace isn't coming, so you're not going to get anything from God. (laughs) Remember you did so-and-so and and you said so-and-so? Well, you can't expect anything to get anything from God acting like that. Come on now. And so, uh, but when your faith is working, it's working because your sins are forgiven. It's working because of righteousness. Amen? It is. It doesn't work any other way. So when when you put your faith in God to to give, forgive your sins, that's righteousness. To bring you the blessing you desire, that's righteousness. When you to uh, bless your children, get them out of danger, that's righteousness. And so when whenever you come to God's throne and you have that peace with God, that's His righteousness has has come to you, so that you can go ahead and receive the things that you desire. So the second thing I thought we'd talk a little bit about was uh, manipulation, where the enemy tries to manipulate us out of believing God for something. And this is something that gets a lot of people. Now distraction is one thing. You can refocus yourself and get yourself back on track, you know. And and mostly we we correct ourselves when we're being distracted. Because once you get distracted and you go down the road of the flesh or go down the road of distraction, you'll hit a dead end. Or you'll hit a place where you know your faith isn't there anymore. And so you'll come back and correct yourself many times. We have that ability to do that if we humble ourselves. And we'll just, you know, if you say to yourself, why is it seeming so hard for me now? I mean, I, I used to believe. You ever get that point? I, I was, I felt good about the prayer I prayed. I felt good about believing at one time. And now all of a sudden I don't think it's going to happen. What happened to me? And so if you think about it, the only thing that you've done is you've stepped over into the flesh. You've gotten distracted. You've left the place of righteousness and you've left your faith over here. And you've gone and paid attention to this thing that kicked up all of a sudden. (laughs) You know, when you went following that. 
and and sometimes we follow it for years now don't think you just follow it for a little bit and you run around and turn back many people follow them and, and go off into uh, tangents you know and they go and trust it and trust it and trust it and pretty soon they realize you know i haven't talked to god and thanked him for this in a, quite a while now why is that uh, it's because you left left the place of righteousness and you've gone down the road of the bunny trail the road of distraction that's like sometimes people will if you're struggling with your health and you you say you're standing on the word and you believe god and confess the word and then all of a sudden something comes up on the television uh that tells you some remedy you know that, that that's offered and oh well maybe i should try that well, if you're suffering and it gives you some relief, that's fine. But don't give up on trusting God for your, you know. And mostly we drop God and we pick up because the natural is much more familiar to us. So we wind up with a drawer full of supplements and tonics and pills and stuff like that that don't work either. Because when you quit remembering to take them, that's a sign they don't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Because your faith isn't in them now. You know, you thought it was going to be an easy way to get it, and it's because God's taking too long. That's the main complaint we have with, with God and His promises, is they take too long. What they, what that really is saying is, I don't want to commit to doing this continually to get what I need from God. See, that's, that's what we're really saying. When you say it takes too long, what what is it about it that makes it seem so long to you? And I think it's the fact that we have to do it continually every day. And see, if we don't do it continually every day, we won't break the habit of distraction and doubting. God wants you to break the habit. He wants you to break every carnal habit that you have. He wants you to break the habit of doubting and being distracted from what you're to do in order to connect with him. He wants to connect with us all the time. And so when we say it's taking too long, what that really means is that now you've got to do this word thing all the time and you don't like it. So your flesh is recoiling at it. Your flesh is kicking and fighting against it. And you got to know that that's going to happen anyway. But you got to ride that out. You got to let your flesh get worn out and tired. And then he'll submit and you won't have so much trouble out of you. (laughs) Distraction won't be an issue so much. And so, you know, and I say this from experience, we all go through the same things, you know, but you have to know what you're after and you got to overcome these things in order to get what God has for you. So, uh, you know, you can't spend your life just day in and day out when you need something from God. You can't spend your life day in and day out uh, just doing frivolous things, you know, carnal things. We're good at planning our, our little uh, fun things to do and all of that and you know our job's very important and we got to do this and got to do that but you've got to plan God in as well you know and most people don't you have to force yourself to do it for a while and then after a while it gets a little easier uh but it 
for the most part will have to struggle some against your your flesh wanting to do other things uh so you know you just have to take that as as part of what comes with the with the territory uh, taking spiritual territory so what what we're really doing is we are um um allowing God to restore us to the original condition that he planned for us uh, when you talk about receiving the things that God has for you, that automatically indicates that you have to get in the original condition that he He created us to live in in order to get that. You can't get it in your now condition. So you have to accept the fact that God is going to do some changing and some rearranging in us and it's not according to some program. It's according to how he sees fit to do it in your life because your life is different than than anybody else's and so he will uh, plan unique experiences for you unique things to to uh help you to develop your faith and he's always there with you uh, he knows it's a challenge he knows all of that but he knows it's well worth it too cuz he's restoring to us everything the enemy's stolen the things inside of us and the things outside so when we talk about restoration, it's not just, you know, material things. It's the material that we're made out of inside and out. Uh, his restoring wisdom to us, knowledge, understanding, peace. Uh, all of the fruit of the Spirit are being restored to us. He wants us to live in peace and safety every day, no matter what our situation. No matter what's happened on the outside to your life, your inside is holy. Your inside is intact. Your inside is precious to God. Your inside is full of life and full of joy and full of everything that God wants uh, wants you to have. And so we are more living from what's inside than outside. Now the Bible says he's given us these great and precious promises so that we would receive on the inside what he has for us. He wants us to be partakers of his divine nature. And so he promises us things in order to change us on the inside so that he can give us things. You got it? So it's not just you're waiting on something to come into your life from outside so you'll feel good about it. It's you're going to feel good before it gets here. (laughs) You know, Because that only makes sense. Why would he leave us suffer lack? When we can feel fulfilled on the inside and wanting nothing. Amen. And so it's just good. You know, he has a, God's way is the best way. We may not see it that way, but his way is the best way. It's the same thing with healing. Before he will remove all of your symptoms, he changes you on the inside. Your soul has to be healed first before your spirit will receive it. Your soul then has to grab onto it. Because your soul will get rid of it in a heartbeat if you don't let it get renewed to that. So most of what we do when we listen to the word and feed on the word for our healing, we're renewing our minds to the fact that we're healed. We're, we're letting our souls grab onto that because if we don't, your soul will rob you of everything 
um, it's like people will, will, will talk about poverty mentality or poverty spirit. Well, if, if you don't work consistently, you're, you're already in poverty. I mean, you show what you believe by what you do. And so, and many times people start a job and then quit or get involved in some schooling and stop and all of that. Well, it's because your soul isn't thinking success. It's thinking when it gets tough, I'll quit. And so that's poverty right there. That's going to keep you broke and keep you frustrated and angry until you learn how to fight that and renew yourself against it. And so some people have more difficulty with that than others. You know, if you grow up in a household where everybody works, you know, the Jamaican family, three job, four job, five job, man, huh? (laughs) <laughs> you lazy ting you only got three jobs you need four jobs and so if you grew up in that kind of an atmosphere where there's a real strong work ethic you probably won't have to be bothered with it because your soul's already renewed to it i think maybe sometimes people can get frustrated uh and if god tells you don't pick up that extra job and you want to go do it anyway he wants you to do something for him that'll probably be your struggle but you know many times you won't struggle you know financially but there's other things you know we all have to have our minds renewed from from the condition that god finds us in and so uh, and if that's if, if that's not your struggle then praise god you can be a giver god then he'll have to get you to struggle with giving and uh, make sure you understand what what you're supposed to do in that regard and so we we have different things that's all i'm saying is that there are different things that god has to uh, reshape us and get us to conform to his original concept of who we are who did he originally create us to be uh, when you get in the kingdom that will start to be formed in you he'll start to form us from the inside and then out amen so we talked about the second tactic the enemy uses is manipulation and so um manipulation really involves a more intricate uh, pattern than does distraction he used both of them manipulation is more of a mental onslaught or mental um, uh, um, a facade that's created to give you a false picture of what God has for you instead of and it'll challenge the true picture that he has for you so uh if he told you already that he's going to give you uh this house that you really really like and and give it you to you at a certain price the enemy through manipulation will come and talk you out of your stand so it's to get you to waver from your stand you know if you're praying and told god i believe i receive it i mean and you really use your faith for it now there are some people that that conjure up pictures of elaborate things and and say it's god and that's not god uh you know it's because he can't give you the faith for it because he didn't create it for you 
So, but if you are, are, say for instance, you're reading in the Word of God, that's the safest place to get your vision of your future from, is through your reading the Word of God. You read in the Word of God, and He starts to paint a picture from His Bible that you get revelation on between you and Him, and He starts to paint a picture of something that he has he wants to give you and it begins to get inside your heart it becomes a desire of your heart that's where it starts to to gain life it gets life from your spirit from the inside of you and so if it comes through the word and the only thing that can come uh, get get life from your spirit is the word of god some picture you see of something, you know, uh, paint a picture, or especially if it's something somebody else has. That's always covetous. And so uh, we have to fight that picture, that false picture of life, and, and go get the true picture of life that we have. And so it's like I, I, I tell people after I was saved and was recovering from a nervous breakdown, God started to paint pictures of my life uh, that I would have uh, because I had no pictures of my future beyond, say, like getting out of college. That's as far as, and I'm serious, when I was a kid, people would say, what are you, well, I just want to go to college, I'm not sure what I want to be, and I could never tell you anything beyond that because the devil planned to kill me before I got there. So my life, I wasn't going to live up to that point unless I received life from Christ. So that's when the the real rest of my life started to get painted. So I don't have anything to fight against it. You understand? Like people say, well, you know, I want to serve God, but first I want to do this. I don't have that. It made it easy for me to receive what God has for me because I don't I had no plans, I had no vision, I had no thoughts, I had no this, I, it was black. And so when life started to come in and he paints the life, and, so, and people say stuff to me, you're so faithful. I said, what do you mean faithful? I have nothing else. See, God eliminated the possibility that I would fail miserably because I didn't have pictures painted in my mind. You know what I'm saying. It makes it easy for you sometimes. You know what I'm saying. And people say, oh, don't you get tired of coming here? And do what? I don't have anything else I want to do. I don't have anything in here competing against <laughs> what God. I mean, come on, folks. There are some people who are strange like that. You know, people say, oh, you're so sincere and, you know, I know other ministers and they do this. I, what, what do I have to do? I, cheat on a dead husband? I don't even have nobody to cheat on, you know. <laughs> if I was a cheating guy, you know what I'm saying. I mean, come on now. So it, sometimes God will do things like that makes it easy for you not to get stupid. You know, that's the way I say it. You know, I'm smart because I don't have enough whatever to get stupid about stuff. And so uh, it makes it easy for you sometimes. But the enemy uses manipulation. I don't think you can't be manipulated. You can. You can be distracted too many times. And so in manipulation though, it's, it's, he starts to paint a false vision, I think, of what he wants or what what he wants to put in your mind for you to do and when that false vision gets painted 
then uh, it will compete with the real vision that God has for you. Because the enemy knows how to elaborate it and make it real big and make it real, you know, forceful so that it seems like it's real. If it challenges the word, you're going to make a decision. Am I going to believe this over here or am I going to believe God's word? And so you you have to really, really understand what God is doing, how he wants it to do it. So in 1 Samuel 17, I thought we'd talk about this uh, situation with David and fighting Goliath and, and how that, how the enemy used manipulation to try and talk David out of killing the giant and out of his victory. Now manipulation is a giant. Amen. It's not like some small, manipulation involves, um, knowledge about you about your likes about your dislikes about things you consider problems uh manipulators know how to push all of your buttons to get you to think like they want you to think and that's all the enemy is doing here to david he's trying to get david to back down from his stance and uh think like he wants him to think amen and so uh many times uh in in warfare uh uh people try to set up rules like our our um, countries when countries go to war they set up what they call rules of engagement like what the enemy must do in order to provoke you to do certain actions etc cetera, etc cetera. well in the realm of the spirit all bets are off okay. there's no <laughs> like in boxing, uh, they have uh, what they call Marcus of Queensberry rules where uh, you stand a certain distance. You can only, uh, in, and you're not allowed to say very much. You know, let, let your fists do all the fighting. You can't hit below the belt and all this. You have to back off when the referee tells you, you know, you, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing like that in the realm of the spirit. Chinga, forget it. The enemy will use any tactic that he can to keep people uh, uh, in submission and to get them to submit. And so um, the Bible tells us your safeguard is to walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, he can't get you. But if you entertain these ideas, got me? You, you'll get them. Like, sometimes people will tell me things like, uh, you know, I was feeling good. And and then I started, then this pain came back again. I said, did you tell it to leave? Well, I just, I couldn't figure out where it came from. I said, well, that's where the problem is, is figuring. See, you, in order to to get victory, you've got to quit being manipulated. And you've got to know when you're being manipulated. You've got to put an end to it. See, figuring out why you're in pain it's going to take you down the road of accepting the pain because you've already accepted it. When you start trying to reason and figure out why it's there, you've already lost. See what I'm saying? So that's why people will say things like, well, anytime I feel it, I just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing me. That's your safeguard. See, that keeps you in the spirit so you're not chasing symptoms when you say you're healed. If you're healed, act like you're healed. Healed people don't chase symptoms.
It's important, folks. It'll keep you in faith. It'll keep pain off of you. It'll keep you uh, encouraged in your walk of healing. All of that happens because you refuse to be manipulated out of your position of I am healed. End of story. You know, sometimes you'll feel, oh, I'm healed anyway. You understand what I'm saying? Even if you have to give it that much uh, 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 evidence, I'm healed anyway. Yeah, I felt that, but I'm healed anyway. It's that that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not going downhill. I'm going uphill. I'm healed. I'm I'm receiving the word of God, and so that's why you're healed all the time. Is because you're you're receiving the word of God. You're receiving daily medicine to keep you well and to heal you further. So in First Samuel 17, in verse. I'll just tell you what's happened up to this point. Now David supposed to supposedly on an errand from his father just to bring his his father's sons are are in the army. They're not doing anything, we don't think. It's been a standoff uh between the Philistines and the Israelites for quite a while now. So what happens is when men don't want their their rules of engagement are this. They will select what they call a champion one man to fight for the whole army so that's why everybody's comfortable you know they'll say are you going to be the champ uh-uh, not me i'm i'm getting expecting my dad to send me lunch in a minute my little brother's coming to bring me some dinner so no i'm not the champion I mean, it's not me i'm not fighting him and so the philistines have sent somebody out already goliath and he is engaging the Israelites and enticing them to send somebody out to fight me. And if I win, you'll be our slaves. If you win, we'll be your slaves. But why are we going to let everybody die or everybody get hurt in this? See, you can call yourself a soldier and never even know how to fight under this method and so this is what Israel's army had reduced itself to not wanting to fight not wanting to engage the enemy why lost contact with God see God tells you to go in and subdue and he's with you and recover your stuff and, and move these people off your land he's given it to you but see, if you if you call yourself a, a, a reclining warrior, you'll just sit around and wait for somebody else to come and do the job you you need to be doing. So their their enthusiasm about receiving what God had for them to me is at an all time low. If they've reduced it to send somebody out, and if they don't come out today, we don't fight today. Send somebody out to come out tomorrow, same thing. Send somebody out, and if we don't fight tomorrow, we don't fight tomorrow. And so uh, here you have the armies of the living God not being motivated to take the land that God has given them for different reasons. The main reason is that they have lost contact with God because their leader is disobedient. Churches that have, you know, 
leadership that don't obey God and don't live for God, don't do right, their people are powerless. That's why you see, you know, it bugs me sometimes you'll see people say, church, we need to pray. Who are you talking to? You're the church. Why don't you pray? You see what I'm saying? But we always like to indict one another for what we don't see. Listen, people who pray are not visible people. God has people praying, but you'll never see them if you live in the land of people who don't pray. And so, or they want to give these glib answers for, for situations that are far beyond their ability to understand. But, but this is typical of, of uh, places where the leadership doesn't really believe in prayer, doesn't know how to pray, and don't think it's important. Nowadays, people build their churches on, on promotion, on uh, television, on uh, having raising money to get more people f- viewing their show so they can get more people in the door to raise more money to stay on television. Amen. And so they don't do it through prayer. Trust me. They don't do it. But many times they'll start out in prayer. And then the next generation will come over and just use, fu- use fundraising all the time. You know, I, I was looking at uh, uh, TBN. Is that it? Paul and Jan? Is that? Yeah. Uh, they started that station. They would get on there and pray that Jan would, she would weep over that little Bible of hers. Remember that little teeny Bible she carried everywhere? And it was all tattered when she gets <laughs> I was reading my Bible before I came over and God gave me this and you know they I mean they built it on prayer. Now they're kids. The kids are fighting and kick one brother out of the the business and the, the other two are they in the entertainment thing so heavy, you know, they get personalities on there now, man, to do their fundraising. It's changed a lot. You be careful. Your foundation could get eroded so quickly. You understand what I'm saying? You sit and watch these things long enough and watch them in God. I'm not trying to be critical of anybody, but the truth is the truth, folks. You have to understand when stuff starts going off the rails, you know, where people just don't have that foundation that they used to have. But they built that. You see where all he got all those satellites? That's a result of people praying. That's not from celebrities coming on there singing and raising money for them uh, they, they've they always directed that ministry through the effects of prayer and they, they did a lot of ministry worldwide but you know you can't do it if you shift your focus and shift your your your, um, your stance and so manipulation comes to get you to shift your position where you're not really trusting in the spirit anymore but you're trusting in the flesh Trusting in what you can do, who you can pay, who has a a big name that can come. And, and, you know, there was a ministry that went out of business. It would have been a productive and fruitful ministry for decades. Went out of business because they shifted over to entertainment and popular names and big name people. And the last big name person, that's the last check they ever wrote and didn't write anymore. Had to shut everything down. It's a shame. But it happens when we lose, we get manipulated out of our foundation. You get manipulated off the word of God. You think something's going to come and help you to do it faster. Something's going to come and help you to do it other than or add to. So manipulation is something to move you. It moves you off of your original 
uh, confession stance position. So Goliath is there and he's he's uh, their selected champion and so he's going to fight for all the Philistines but Israel doesn't have anybody. So they don't have anybody to engage him. And so David comes and asks them how the fight's going. Uh, his brothers take offense at him. Now uh, let me show you where that that is. Um Verse 24, let me see, 22, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine and spoke according to the same words and David heard them. So Goliath is taunting them continually. That's one of the things about manipulation. It will press you continually till you answer it. Don't let the devil put doubt in you and keep hurting. Well, this this should work and that should work. And hey, try this, try that. Uh, 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 uh. You're not trying anything because you're believing God. You're already healed. Why do you need to try remedies? You're healed already. Why do you need to try uh, all kinds of different things? You're healed already. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so you can't let that move you off of the word. If you pick up something to, to use and you drop the word, you've been manipulated. Got me? Keep the word at all costs. Don't ever and don't slack up on it. Use it more because the enemy's trying. It must be working or the devil wouldn't try to manipulate you out of it. The word works all the time. You gotta believe that. You gotta believe that word is working. Period. It says all the men and all the men of Israel when they saw the man fled from him and were very afraid. (laughs) No, we don't have a champion today. And the men of Israel said, have you seen him? Huh? It's the first thing manipulation does. Have you, have you, have you, uh, you must have, have you noticed? Have you, uh, huh? Like you're coming up with some new thing that you don't know is there already. Huh? First thing you need to do is say, have you seen my God? Huh? Yeah, devil, I saw that, but have you seen my God? He said, have you seen him? He's come up here to defy us. But you know what? And then they start to recite the word. Now this is interesting. Here are people shrinking back in fear, but have a motivating word on the inside of them. What does your Bible say? Let's read it together. Verse 25, the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that's come up to defy Israel? That's why he's here. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his house, give him tax free, a tax free house in Israel. So here these men know what the, what the promise is for killing this giant, but they suppress it and pick up fear instead. That's what the devil wants to do to you. That word is in you. 
And he'll come and manipulate you out of it by making you look at natural circumstances and drop the word. But that word's still in you. See, and that's the safeguard of God's word. Because once it's in you, it can come to life again. See what I'm saying? Any of those men out there could have done what David did. Because he's just now hearing the word. So he wasn't in any position to challenge Goliath because he doesn't know the promise that will come with whomever defeats him. And so David spoke to the men, verse 26, and stood by him saying, What shall be done to this man that kills him and takes away the reproach from Israel? So David's focusing on kingdom business. See, that will get you favor with God every time. David's saying that this guy's lying on us. He's saying we don't have a God who's big enough to kill him. We're saying that that we're not capable. And our God, he said that's a reproach against us. That's a lie against us. It's not true. So where does he get this story from? And he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now he's not talking about them guys sitting there. He's talking about the armies of the living God. In other words, it because it's not going to be about an army fighting Goliath anyway. It's just going to be one man. So David's got to know that there's more to him than just what's down there. So we fight for the, the God of the universe. And the people answered him and saying, "Yeah, this is what's gonna that's that's a, that's what's gonna be given to him if whoever goes out there and fights him." So this arouses the interest of his older brother, who gets angry at David. Why does he come down there? Why does he get angry? Number one, huh? Why why would you get angry? Sure, and he's David's faith is passing judgment on his fear and unbelief. You got me? When fear and unbelief get exposed, when judgment's passed on them, they get angry. They're mad. It's like if somebody comes in complaining, you give them the word and they snap at you. See, you're trying to minister truth to them and they're angry because they want to hold on to their nonsense. Okay, So the brothers are there and they're not fighting. And they know they need to be, or at least trying to find somebody who will fight, if that's what the deal is. So he begins to accuse David. You're full of pride. Got, you're you're de- devising evil things in your heart. Your heart's not right. David says, "What have I done?" He said, "I." He said, What's, what, 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 "Why are you jumping on me?" And he turned from him toward another and they said the same thing. So the people now, because David's answer asked a question about who is this guy, what's going on, blah, 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 blah. The people now are beginning to get encouraged and get faith in them because they're reminding themselves that there is a reward for fighting this enemy. See, reward motivates all of us. Why do you pray? You're praying for things that you need. You're praying for things you want. You're praying for things you desire. You're praying for things God promised to you. So 
this manipulation involves you putting down what you've been praying for and picking up the fear, picking up the unbelief, picking up everything. So manipulation makes you put things down that you've been believing God for. Not many people haven't been there. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of this. You got to learn how to ride that feeling out and encourage yourself in the Lord. Or you're not going to make it. You will quit. The Lord spoke something to me recently. He said if people don't understand that I love them in this day and age. He said they will quit on everything that I promised to them. Everything I'm trying to do. Because when the Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Trust me there's stuff trying to separate us every day. But the love of God is what's going to keep us in this fight. It's going to keep us going. But if you don't, if you always feeling condemned when you don't get something or you let your mind go crazy when stuff doesn't go your way, you, you're not sure that God loves you. You've got to get in with him. And get that assurance on a continual basis. And so, uh, you know, that's why I, I can, I started listening to some of the prophecies. I don't know for how many years God's been telling us how much He loves us. How much He, you know, He longs for us to be a part of what He's doing and all what He wants to share with us. If you don't get that, you're just not paying attention. You know, he doesn't have to do anything for you, for you to know he loves you. He's done it all already. The fact that he would promise you anything, he must love you. So we have to look at love as being very, very, look for evidence of God's love in your life. You know, that will keep you going more than anything else will. And so David turns away from them and, and then the, uh, the David says, uh, um, Verse 32, they tell King Saul, somehow word gets back to King Saul that there's some kid out here questioning why nobody's fighting Goliath. And at verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail them because of him. Your servant will go out and fight him. He said, I'll go fight him. And Saul said to David, you're not able. He said, that man's twice your age. He's been fighting as long as you're born. You got me? Uh, you know, and, and David said to Saul, listen, I, I can tell you how I'll do it. You know, I was out there and, and you know, uh, 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 I was keeping the sheep and the lion came and tried to take him and I fought him off. And, and he says, and, and my God will deliver him. David's not talking about his own qualities. See, this is the problem when people want to walk away from a promise. They want it on their own terms. They think it's because they pray a lot or they do this a lot or God, they, they, they're nice to people or they're this or they always want to put it on the basis of earning. And then when you're challenged, you want to quit. Because you, you don't want to keep earning it anymore. Well, you never should have been trying to earn it. Because the battle's not yours, it's God's. And so he said, I killed the lion and the bear, and this, this guy's gonna be just like this. Why? Because he's defied God. Not because of me. In other words, David is telling him, don't you see what this guy's doing? He's telling God he can't do this. He's telling God his people aren't able. He's telling, he's challenging God. He's not just challenging us. 
When the devil tries to kill you with symptoms, he's challenging God. He's challenging the blood of Jesus. The blood paid for you for your healing. It paid for everything you need. He can't challenge the blood and get away with it. But you got to stand up to him. You can't just let him talk to you any kind of way and manipulate you. So there Goliath is taunting. He's carrying on. He's saying all this crazy stuff. <laughs> so anyway, David gets, gets, they try to put Saul's armor on David. Don't try to imitate somebody. You get your power straight from God. Understand what I'm saying? When you need something from God, he's got yours for you. You know, you see people go out and they try to holler like Shambach. And they try to <laughs> preach like this with all this, <laughs> all this stuff. And, and it never works for them. You've got to get what you need from God. And so it says David, uh, um, verse 39, uh, David, uh, let me see. Oh, David swears an oath before God in verse 37. David said, and this is the word that carries you. The Lord that delivered me out of the power of the lion and out of the power of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. In other words, you do it. I'm not going nowhere. David girded his sword upon his armor and attempted to go, but he hadn't proved it. So he hadn't really, he's not comfortable in somebody else's battle gear. Verse 40, he took his staff in his hand and chose from him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had. And the sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David and the man that, bear the shield went before him he's got a little armor bearer when the philistine looked about he saw david and he mocked him and disdained him because he was so young and you know his even (laughs) skin still red (laughs) from blushing how little kids are they flush easily and the philistine said to david am i a dog that you come out here with stays and the philistine cursed david by his gods now this is the manipulation this is the devil telling you no the word won't heal you don't keep doing that it's a waste of time how long are you going to do that and you're still taking pills how long are you going to do that and you still have pain how long are you going to do that and you still can't get up and run and hop and leap and <laughs> not that i ever did devil but you know. <laughs> and he says and he swears See, now all of this talk may seem like nothing to us, but it's very powerful. Our war is a war of words. Because the action is only powerful and bring results if it follows words. If it's motivated by words. Because the grace to execute Receiving your your promise from God is never there without the word being in your hidden in your heart, without you confessing the word until you believe it, without you standing on the word and nothing else but the word. When something comes up before you, you don't choose that; you choose the word instead. 
So it's this this thing to get to the enemy and defeat him is never going to happen to us without the word paving the way for that to happen. Your word, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That path has to be lighted by God's word or it just won't come to you from God. Words pave the way for actions. Words have faith in them. In the supernatural realm the war is won by words. Angels will come as a result of your words. Action validate uh, words of faith. And God's grace is what allows our actions to be successful. And to be powerful. And to be appropriate. Amen. So his grace opens the door. After after David makes takes a position. And he says. My God will deliver the Philistine into my hand. Just like he did the lion and the bear. Because they are challenging my God. When the devil challenges your faith. He's challenging the faith of the son of God. He's not challenging just you. So move yourself out of it. If you could move yourself out of the picture and understand that this is God's word I'm speaking. God's word is what has healing in it. God's word brings health. God's word brings life. When you understand that and let it let it be God's word and not just you talking. And if I talk enough and say it enough and all of that enough God will be pleased with my works and he'll heal me. That's not how it works. That thing has to get in your heart so that that's all you believe and you're not manipulated out of believing it. David said to the Philistine, verse 45, he says, Oh, the Philistine said to David, 44, Come to me and I'll give you uh, give your flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And it's the devil telling you, you keep, you keep believing God only and you're going to die. He's going to let you die. Uh, devil, if I die, he'll raise me up. Like Henry Groover says, you're too late. I died already. <laughs> huh? You're too late, though. Is that the worst thing for a believer? When you think about it, I mean, are we really scared of death? If we are, we just need to really get saved. But I'm going to live and I'm going to defeat you and I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. And I'm going to do everything God told me to do today, Sunday. Amen. And I will wake up Monday with more to do to hurt you. You have to answer manipulation back. Verse 45. David said to the Philistine. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. You see how David keeps repeating that? You've defied God. You're talking against God. After a point, we have to take ourselves out of the situation. Devil, this is not my words I'm speaking. This is God's word. You can't defeat God's word. I'm holding on to God's word. You can't talk me out of believing God for what I need. It's not me who's fighting you, devil. It's God. You're defying his blood, his word, his promise. You're raising up against everything that belongs to God. You're not going to win. He said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to give your carcass to the birds of the air. Amen. 
And he says, uh, uh, and he says that I will give it to the hosts of the Philistines this day, the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. Now this is what angered David. That they were acting like they didn't have a God. They were act, they weren't acting like believers, in other words. That's what we get on our side here in, in this dispensation. People who say they believe and come to church and then when it comes right down to it, you find they're not believing anything. Pretenders. Huh? And there are tons of them. You're going to have trouble out of people like that. Hmm? That's why it's good when God gets you in a place where you can start believing him and, and that's all you hear. It's, it's like a safety for you so that your promise can be protected. And you're not bugged with people come up to you every five minutes telling you, well, I, I know somebody who believed God for that and they died. <laughs> hmm? Listen, I used to be in crazy Bible studies in churches when I first got started. And they told me everything under the sun wouldn't happen. Huh? And then when, when God shut the door there, we started this ministry. And I said, thank God there's a place people can come where they can believe God and not be talked out of it. Anytime I see somebody sneaking around with some kind of stupid doctrine, I get them. Huh? Sending everybody teachings and tapes and stuff like that. Uh-uh, I'm your pastor. That person didn't get called by God to run your life. They're defeated themselves. That's why they keep running around trying to tell people stuff. Successful people don't do that. Defeated people do that stuff. So David put his hand in his bag and pulled out a stone and killed him with it. Or just like he said. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Amen. Stone representing Jesus. And killed the Philistine. And there was no sword in the hand of David at all to kill him with. Amen. So David killed him with the first thing he grabbed. God anointed it. Gave him grace to do him in. God, really anything David used would have worked probably because the word is what defeated Goliath. He fought him with his word. Amen. Doesn't matter what he hit him with. Amen. Could have blown on him and toppled him over. Amen. <laughs> so, amen. So, this is, this is how you defeat manipulation. See? The Goliath tries with fear, intimidation, all of those things. To get David to back down. Why? Because it's worked on the whole army of Israel. Why would he stop? He's been telling this story to them for days. And it's been working. (laughs) Nobody came out to challenge him. But God. Amen. God will send somebody. Sometimes it's a least likely looking person who will have your answer. I tell people that all the time. All the time. You know, sometimes you can get your answer where you want it, but many times it'll come the way God wants it. I mean, it always comes the way God wants it, but, you know, sometimes it's it's not the likeliest of, of persons that you might think would have power with God in certain areas. The other area he fights us in is false reasoning. Amen. This is reasoning that you get through your carnal mind. False reasoning comes... 
when you refuse to take scripture at face value. You'll find that little something in there that that causes you to question. God's word is medicine. Oh, really? You mean all I got to do is listen to the word and it will heal me? Yes, that's true. But see, very people believe very few people. You have to convince yourself that that's true before it'll work for you. And see, many times people will keep listening to the word and listening to the word, but they don't really believe they're taking medicine when they listen to it. See, you've got to believe the whole thing. Or else you just passively got the, the word on or passively going through the Bible. It's not making an impact on you. But if you go into that word, understanding and knowing and expecting to be healed, you will be healed. You just can't sit there and put in time. You've got to have expectation in your heart. God, I thank you. This word is healing me. This is my dose of medicine for the day. I thank you, Lord, that you were bruised for my iniquities. And by your stripes, I am healed. I'm healed now. And I thank you for that. I don't care what your symptoms are. They're of this world. They're not of God's world. They couldn't be more powerful than God's word is. They came after God. Let's let that marinate in your brain for a minute. Oftentimes we use false reasoning when the expected end does not come in the expected time. Amen. There's a time limit everybody has in their brain for how long they're going to wait for God to do something for them. So when the expected end doesn't come in the expected time, then we reason falsely. Well, I don't know if that was God that told me that. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I just, it just sounded good to me. Well, why couldn't God give you something that sounds good to you? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Huh? In John 21, verse 3, I'll show you an instance that you can relate to this. This was after Jesus was crucified. And it shows the power of disappointment and lost hope. Verse 1, after uh, 21 verse 1 in, in the Gospel of John. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed him himself. They were together, Simon, Peter, uh, Thomas, who is called Didymus, Nathaniel, uh, Cain, and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter came and said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went forth and went into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not know that it was him. And when they said, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any meat? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side. There it is. Jesus shows up. Amen. So here's Simon Peter. Goes back to his old occupation. 
out of disappointment because they told him that the Lord has been raised from the dead but he's still not believing. Jesus has appeared to them but they don't recognize him. They're still not believing. Then Jesus pricks their conscience and their spirit by bringing them into remembrance of who he is. He knows how to reveal himself to everybody. See, Peter thought he's going back fishing. Ah, Jesus, he promised us all this stuff and he didn't do any of it and they killed him now. He's gone, blah, this, blah, that. See, his mindset is one of false reasoning. You know, because you don't recognize and they tell you he's raised from the dead, but you don't believe it. Why don't you believe it? So he's looking for something to convince him. And Jesus obliges. Jesus is not above convincing people who he is. That's all he does anyway. That's all he does for us. He's continually convincing us who he is. Your healer. Your savior. Your healer of the second time. Your healer the third time. Your healer the fourth time. Your healer the fifth time. He doesn't care how many times he has to reveal himself to you. He'll do it. So Peter goes back to his old ways, his old occupation. And then Jesus appears to them. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to have Jesus to pursue you. To prove to you. That he's alive. Amen. He tells him where to cast a net. And the same thing happens. That happened way back. Too many to handle. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved. Said to Peter. It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put his fisher's coat on him. And cast himself into the sea. (laughs) Peter was always under conviction. When Jesus was around. Amen. Amen. All right. And so pretty soon they were come to land and and Jesus sat there and and had another meal with them. Amen. He said come he said to them come and dine. They all knew it was the Lord. So here we have covenant those familiar things that he did with them where he revealed himself before in the last supper. Here he is. It's it's like the, the men that were on the road to Emmaus. Remember that? And they said at the breaking of bread, that's when they recognized him. That's significant, folks. That's how people get healed in communion. That's how we partake of the Lord's body and his flesh in communion. Uh, communion is very important and very significant. Amen. I don't like having it on the first Sunday all the time because it's abused. People don't know what they're doing. And many times, but there are times when God will tell me definitely to serve communion to people and and to understand what it does. You have to minister to people what it's doing in them and what you're doing it for. Amen. And that is to impart more of God's being into you. Through the the breaking of bread and the fellowship around Christ's broken body and his spilled blood. And, and that's why you receive it like that. Peter went back to his old ways. Many times false reasoning comes to console you because of disappointment. You're going to be disappointed many times if you're putting time on God to do certain things. Man. 
you don't have to pick up this appointment, but you're not going to make that appointment that you set. You're going to make the appointment God set. When we add works to faith, our grace disappears. Amen. And that's what false reasoning does. It will add works to to faith. You know, Jesus will heal you with the word, but you might as well take these vitamins anyway. You know, you might as well take this herbal supplement or go on a health kick. You know, you, now you got to change your whole diet, get all the meat out of the refrigerator and all the stuff people say you have to do. So we have false works accompanying faith when God's word doesn't need any help. No, doesn't need any help. Now, if you got deficiencies, correct them. I mean, everybody eats wrong and probably needs to take some of this or some of that. But let's not get carried away and drop the word. These manipulations are done and false reasonings are done to make you reason yourself out of the word. And, uh, you know, Dr. So-and-so, he's a Christian too, and he's wrote lots of books on this stuff, and there's a biblical diet we're supposed to follow, and you'll be healed. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, the man lying by the pool waiting to be the first one to get in in order to get healed. Well, there's never any such covenant that God ever had with his people that only the first one in could get healed. I mean, so you Looking for works to help you, you know. He could have been in the Word all the time and been healed and got up a long time ago, waiting on the. So we wait on the false. That always drags out the time, you know. God's waiting for you to drop the false, and then believe His Word. Amen. So Jesus has to uh, come and correct these things when our reasoning is faulty, when we're distracted and manipulated. He will definitely come and reassure us of our faith. Sometimes it's in a sermon. Sometimes it's in just a friendly Christian speaking to you, encouraging you. Sometimes you're just prompted to get into the word of God and, and start to meditate on what you read more. But Jesus always comes to us, get us back on the road again. He always puts a, he won't let you get, let the wheels come off and you don't have a way to get out. Amen. He won't let you be derailed, but, but trust him in that. But know the pitfalls of the enemy to keep you from receiving what God has for you. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word and thank you, Lord, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for peace that comes with your your revealed word. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us through your holy word. We love you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, I'll pray for you.